Good morning, you guys. You know, um, this year I was the co-president for my school's FCA club, which is Fellowship of Christian Athletes. And when I spoke for them, I would ask for them to say good morning back, but I get we are Presbyterian here. We don't really do that, so I'm just going to go ahead and start and say, uh, my name is Brian Keener. Uh, you probably know me by my family. Uh, my sister was here two years ago. She gave a sermon on her senior Sunday. Uh, my dad, Jim Keener, he's the guy who basically was bald, but he claimed that he cut it because it was easier to maintain. Uh, well, he's actually grown it out now, and he's fooled some of you, including uh, our very own Jack Heffler here. Um, couldn't even recognize his own Sunday school teacher. It's kind of a, it's a shame, but um, some of you guys might know my mom. She's not very well known. Ann Keener. Ah, it's hit or miss with some people. Um, but as you guys might have read in the bulletin, uh, I will be attending the University of Alabama next year. And yes, for any of you guys asking, Emma is indeed following me to college. <laughs> I did make that decision first. You know, I guess I'm just too cool or something. Um, but for me growing up, church has always been a pretty big part of my life. Uh, I came to church every Sunday. I was always at Sunday school. I was even in the choir as a child. I thought about singing for you guys up here, but I decided to leave that to my mom. You know, maybe one keener singing in a sermon was just way too much for you guys. But as I was reading through this passage, I, uh, I kept hearing phrases like, all mine are yours and yours are mine, and I am no longer in this world, but they are in the world. And it just felt like it was God's way of telling us that maybe he isn't down here physically, but he's always going to be in our hearts and with our neighbors. And which I feel like that's a pretty accurate statement. You know, all of my life, I felt like God's been with me through my years at Nakomi or through you guys being so kind to all of the youth and the kids of this church. You know, I've really felt the presence of God in just about every part of my life. And now I will be a camp counselor at Nakomi this summer, so I'll still feel his presence there. But in about three or four months, I, I won't have any of it. I'll have to leave this town, leave this church, leave my friends and family behind, and try to find God in an environment where I don't really know many people and where I, I'm not used to. And I'm sure that you guys have done that at some point in your life, and it's a little scary. Now, don't get me wrong. I am excited to leave, you know, to start new. But you can also be a little worrisome at times, too. You know, the nervousness surrounding me leaving, it's not always been there. You know, about two weeks ago, if you asked me to leave, I probably would have left then and just gotten out of here. But ever, like, since it's just realized, or I've realized that, you know, coming up on graduation, that I, I don't really want to leave and that I'm going to miss this place. The friends that I've met, the church community that you guys have built here, my family, obviously, it's all just going to be three and a half hours away. And it's probably going to be longer because I will be stopping at Whataburger every single time I come back home. Um, but, you know, I don't, I don't really know what to expect other than the good food that they got there and the best football team in the land. You know, it's, I don't know what to expect. And I've never really felt that in my life. But through all of it, I'll always remember my roots here in this amazing town of Franklin, the friends that I've met, my family, you guys as well. And uh, I've not read anything that has been written in the senior Bibles, but I'm sure that whenever I need to feel a little bit of home, I can always open it and read some of the nice messages that you guys have written in there. And don't worry, Mom, I will call you as well. It's not the only way that I will feel home. And uh, yeah, 
I would just like to say thank you uh, on behalf of me and, the, and our fellow seniors. Uh, we are excited for those Bibles. And as I, as I end my part of this and let the intellectuals of our senior class speak, um, I figured some of you guys might be missing a little bit of Dr. J today, or you guys probably know him as Pastor Chris. I like Dr. J as a better name. Um, so I will leave you with this. Amen. Roll Tide. Often when, oops, sorry. <laughs> uh, often when reading a passage of the Bible, uh, to better understand it, I look for what challenges me. But to me, this passage is pretty on brand with what Jesus is like. Uh, you know, Jesus talks about his prophecy with barely a shred of doubt, which is often what we think of when we think of Jesus. It's not really challenging to me that Jesus is confident and knows what he's doing. Now, I think there's an important difference here between knowing something will happen and knowing how it will feel. And I feel like Jesus is confident that he will be on the cross and he will die for our sins, but I don't think he yet knows what that feels like. Of course, we know when he's on the cross, he cries out, and it's clear to me in that moment that he may know that he will die, but he may not know what that felt like until he was there. And that feeling of knowledge without understanding, I think, is quite common in our lives. I think we all knew it more than a year ago. When we all started quarantining, we knew that this may take some time. And while we maybe didn't know how long, we certainly knew what was going to happen. We understood that we were going to have to be isolated, separated from those previously we may have been seeing every day or two or three times a week. But to say that we knew how that would feel, I think we all know is inaccurate. I don't think any of us knew that when we started would know how it felt to experience these never-ending days, the Zoom calls, just the sheer monotony that our existence became in that time. And I think it's also similar to the way I feel the more I prepare for college. And as I will say, and I will say, I do think college will be a bit more pleasant than, you know, dying on a cross or COVID, uh, maybe just a little bit nicer. Um, but I feel, still feel it's that same feeling of knowledge without understanding. And, uh, you know, I know that I'll be separated from my family, I'll be living a dorm, and I'll be taking classes differently from how I did in high school. But I won't know how that will feel until I'm there. And I feel like in those previous examples, it's different in the fact that it's a confident feeling. It's, you know, it's almost a duty. You know, I understand what needs to happen. But in the case of college, I feel it's more uncertainty. You know, I'm sure I'll enjoy college, but it still feels strange not knowing what it will feel like. You know, I can understand intellectually these facts and what will happen, but I can't truly know what it means to be there until I am. And the more I think about it, this is an extremely human feeling and one we all experience all the time. We all experience new things and may have gone through experiences we may know but not quite understand. Any change, major or minor, I feel is accompanied by this feeling of uncertainty. 
anything from going to a new restaurant or moving away is the same feeling. And in that way, I feel like this passage is humanizing for Jesus. The way he experiences the world is not too different from how we experience the world. Like Jesus, we should be confident in ourselves and what we're going to do, even if we don't know quite how it will feel. It is okay if things in our life don't feel the way that maybe we imagined them before we did them. Even Jesus was unsure, and even Jesus did not know how everything would go. Good morning. I've been coming to church for my entire life, and one of the first things that I was taught while I was here was how to pray. I was told to bow my head and fold my hands, yes, but more importantly, my parents, Sunday school teachers, and pastors were constantly reminding me that Jesus was my friend. I knew of his immense power and his oneness with the God that created me and everything around me, and I learned how to ask for his help and to thank him for his blessings but I was also intimately comfortable with the idea of him as a real human being. I could tell him about my school day or plans I had for the weekend just as easily as I could tell my friends, and I could be just as sure that he was listening. Many parts of the Bible affirm this idea. We see frequent examples of Jesus acting just like an ordinary person, albeit with quite a bit more patience and mercy than I'd probably be able to muster. Personally, I've always connected to the young Jesus that evaded his parents to sit in the temple and discuss theology with religious scholars. Not because that sounds like something that I'd be either capable of or interested in doing, mind you, but because as a person who happens to live with a 12-year-old, I can tell you that that's exactly the sort of thing a boy of that age would do if he was bored of his family. Jesus is, in the lots of situations, a relatable character in whom we can see some of our own virtues, experiences, and even shortcomings presented. This passage, though, is different. It shows us a Jesus who is so transcendently far above his human counterparts that he's praying on their behalf because he knows they cannot adequately do it for themselves. He, along with the reader, is deeply aware of his identity as fully God, seeming to have left the fully human part of the equation behind. Not only that, but the text shows us a Jesus who actively distinguishes between the larger world and people who belong to God, and addresses his request for protection and lack thereof accordingly. To be perfectly honest, my initial thought upon reading was, well, that's a lot of pressure. If you were to ask me in what category I'd place myself, I'd know for sure where I would like to be, but I'd be far less confident in which was truly accurate. It's jarring, frankly, to reckon with the thought that something coming from God, creator of all, doesn't exactly apply to everyone. Immediately, at least for me, it begs the question, am I worthy? Upon pondering it further, though, I can't help but wonder if that's the wrong question to ask. This is still Jesus, after all, who ate with sinners, laid his hands upon lepers, and stood for countless other marginalized individuals in his society. Whatever humanity might consider worthiness, Christ clearly has other ideas. Even still, as wide as the embrace of God's love goes, the underlying theme always seems to return to faith. So maybe all we need to do to be included in Jesus's in-crowd is just to want to be. And maybe being aware that we're undeserving is actually the first step in becoming worthy of the inheritance that God has set forth for us.
as I move towards college, I've often had to battle with feelings that I have to be right all the time in order to be successful. These past few months have seen some of the biggest changes and decisions in my life up until this point, and I found myself wishing more than once that I could just fast forward until August when all the choosing and the waiting is finally over, and I can just pick up on the next chapter of my life. Even though I've known from the very beginning of the application process that every option had the potential to be fantastic, as the admissions decisions came rolling in, I couldn't help but feel paralyzed by the prospect of actually narrowing myself down to one path. I held myself to the impossible standard of making the perfect choice, and I let myself believe that if I didn't, I was somehow ruining the rest of my life. Even though I've now settled on a college, roll tide, <laughs> I gotta get to practice on that. <laughs> there are still decisions yet to be made, and it's comforting to think that regardless of where and how life takes me next, I'm guarded by the name of the Lord. Even though I'll be away from my family and many of my friends in a brand new state for the first time in my life, I'll never be truly alone, and that is a colossal relief. As Christians, we're quite comfortable with paradoxes. Jesus himself is full of them, from his role in the Trinity to his embodiment of the dichotomy of man and God, and even to the central mystery of faith around which our beliefs take hold. Lately, I've had to add yet another to my list, the idea that Jesus is both my peer and my protector. I can still tell him about work, school, and friends, but in the same breath, I can also place my entire life in his hands and feel sure that he's guiding me towards a beautiful realization of my life's path. No matter where or who or how old I am, Christ will always be there for me, however I might need him, if I'm willing to seek him out. Amen. <laughs>